Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And as always, well, not always, except for that one time I wasn't here, I'm Adam Vingan at, on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Oh, man. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We, we do appreciate David Poyle, Adam, of course, waiting till after we were done with our episode last week to sign multiple free agent forwards. So we will get to what the new lineup looks like today. Focus heavily on the projected lineup on what you think uh, this Predators roster could look like as we begin the season. We'll dive deep into the schedule, which has now been released. We have every single date and time and team, hopefully, set for the 2021 season. So we've got a lot to get to. We've got taxi squad predictions, which I know everyone can't wait for because that's the most fun taxi squad predictions. I do enjoy cash cab. If the taxi squad is like Cash Cab, then it will be very exciting. I don't I don't think it will be. Oh. I was really good at Cash Cab, but well, I never was on it, but I would always watch it on TV. How, how is this like the guy who be, wins Jeopardy on his couch all the time because he gets them all right but never has actually been on the show? I do feel really good about myself whenever I get whenever I get final Jeopardy correct. It, well, it is about you feeling good about yourself. Yes. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. All right. Did you feel good about yourself when you found out that Mikael Granlin was coming back to be a national predator? <laughs> that has nothing to do with how I feel. But it was certainly surprising just because of everything we had heard leading into free agency. Uh, it was a month before free agency that I reported that Grandland was going to free agency and that he and his agent or more specifically his agent was not negotiating a new contract with the Predators until free agency opened. Um, he was going to go to market. And then David Poyle, right before free agency, basically said that Grandland would not be coming back. But fast forward two and a half months. Man, has it been two and a half months? Yes, it was Holy early smokes. October. That free agency opened, so fast forward to the week of Christmas. Two and a half months later, the Predators re-signed Mikhail Granlin to a one-year $3.75 million contract. My understanding after speaking to Granlin's agent, Todd Diamond, last week is that the Predators kept tabs and kept in contact with him and Granlin uh, throughout the free agency process. Uh, there were five or six teams, ultimately, that Granlin was deciding between, but according to Diamond, it made the most sense amid the uncertainty of the coronavirus pandemic uh, for Granland and his family to return to Nashville. There would be less to worry about in, in terms of finding a place to live and getting settled and all of those things. Um, Wait, are you making the case that the pandemic was a positive for the National Predators? Well, it depends on whether or not you liked Granland. Now, okay, well, let's start there then, because... If it had been a two-year deal, and if it had been one penny more, I would not like the deal. I don't mind it because he it feels like David Poyle waited out the, the process and got Granlund one year, $3.75 million, which is not a cheap deal, but it is just a singular deal, one year, and if he even just come close, comes close to remotely producing at the same level that he did at Minnesota – it feels like for a team that desperately needed a veteran winger <laughs> who probably can play in the top six, again, I don't love it, but there's also a lot of things to like about it from a shrewd business standpoint, right? Yeah, I mean, one, you're acquiring a player that you're familiar with, that's familiar with the team. Now, 
Granlund was has not been the player he was that you referenced when he was in Minnesota, but he did seem to find another gear, so to speak, after the coaching change. His ice time went up, his his level of responsibility went up, his points went up under John Hines versus Peter Laviolette. So that was a good thing. When you consider all of the changes that are coming in the league, the schedule, all of the COVID protocol, the lack of of any preseason games, basically a week long training camp. It's more. It's when you <laughs> when, when you put you, it that way. You put it all of that when you put all of that together, <laughs> it makes sense to bring back a player that you know. What's the what's the old saying? You know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't, or whatever it is. Yep, yep. Um, so look, Grandland certainly is not without his faults, uh, but it was probably the best case scenario. Um, look, if you're, were, if you're a Nashville Predators fan, well, or for, I think or for, for Grandland, I think for I think for him and the team. Now, when you look at some of the other players. Uh, that were out there, um, scorers, more natural scorers. You know, Mike Hoffman ended up in a in a in a beautiful piece of cap creativity. Yeah, by the is, St. Louis Blues. This I'm glad St. Louis is not in the division. Signed this year. <laughs> Mike Hoffman to a PTO, a professional tryout contract, which is basically <laughs> just a smokescreen to sign him to an actual contract closer to the season once they can put Alex Steen and Vladimir Tarasenko on long-term injured reserve. So don't hate the player, hate the game. Um, I, I think it's awesome But what they did on that. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, our, our insider at The Athletic as well as TSN, reported that the Predators were in regular contact with Mike Hoffman's representation uh, regarding a, a potential uh, a potential fit, but it did. Of course, they decided to go the Grandland Eric Howler route, which we'll talk about Howler in a minute. You know, Anthony Duclair uh, was, you know, perhaps a Hoffman light that was out there, a scorer. You know, perhaps not the most defensively responsible player, but a player who has natural offensive ability. He ultimately signed with the Florida Panthers and Elliot Freeman uh, of Sportsnet reported that the the Predators were hot on. Duclair's tail as well. So if you were looking for a, if you were a Predators fan who was hoping for more of a sniper on the second line, you're not getting that. But I do think there is value in having a player that you are familiar with as the coaching staff and management, a player that seemed to thrive under the new coach in this sort of, in this COVID-19 world we're living in. And as you said, it's a one-year deal. And heck, if things don't work out for the Predators this season... He gone. He's gone. Or you can trade him at the deadline. No, that's what I mean. He's a trade yes, chip. He's a trade chip. Yeah. You know, Granlund is the type of player that teams would like at the trade deadline. See February 2019 when the Predators at the trade deadline <laughs> traded for Mikhail Granlund. Well, so, you yeah. have to include Howla in the package, though, because Hoffman They're was... buds. Ho- well, Hoffman was probably going to cost you as much as both of them. Right? Fair to say, roughly speaking. I think you could have gotten Hoffman for less than the so they were it's five and a half total yeah, for the two of you them. You could I think you could have gotten you could have gotten Hoffman for less than five and a half. But 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 the equation generally is do I go get one guy who's maybe more of a sniper like you're talking about, a little bit higher price item, or do I bring back or do, or do I go out and get two items? 
And let's be honest, Howla, b- before we get into his box score, I mean, he's almost a 30-game goal scorer at one time in his career. Um, now, I will say this about Mikael Granlund. Again, this is a guy, you know, 0.65 points per game as a 21-year-old in his second season for Minnesota. And then two years later, he's at 0.85 as a 24-year-old and 0.87 as a 25-year-old. He is now 28, but his goal-scoring numbers, Adam, aren't all that different in Nashville. His point production came down when he came to Nashville, but he was 0.27 at Minnesota, basically one goal every four games. He was 0.27 for Nashville in last season, basically a goal every four games. So his, his scoring hadn't really taken the big dip. It was sort of total production. And again, this was a guy who was at almost, you know, again, 0.85 points per game, 0.87 points per game for two seasons, full seasons. If he's even in the 0.7 territory, he he is going to be worth every single penny. So I, I just, again, if you're, if you're not in the playoffs and you want to trade him, great. If he works out, it's a cheap one-year deal. Also, it allows you some extra money to go out and get another piece like Eric Howa. I guess that's how I look at it. Am I looking at it through, you know, gold-tinted glasses? I don't know. Well, here's the thing I've learned about fandom. You're never going to please everybody. Most of the time, you're not going to please anybody because someone always needs to have something to complain about. The best mm. part about the internet is, is being mad <laughs> online all the time. So Yeah, the algorithm doesn't in, in prop up like positive stories. No, it does not. Look, I, I think when the Grandland signing and the, the excuse me, the Grandland re-signing and the Howla signing came uh, came out, the first thing that I thought was, well, there goes that so-called youth movement. Grandland's twenty eight, Howla's twenty nine. So there goes that spot for Tolvanen, or there goes that spot for Tomasino, or there goes that spot for Trennan or Pitlick or whomever. But I think when you look at this team, when you look at the season that we're about to witness, those young you, you players... You need stability. Yes, you need stability. Yeah. And you just also need to cover your ass. I mean... That's how I view it all. Players are going to get sick. Players are going to have to undergo contact tracing. Players are going to be out of the lineup. You're going to need a lot of people. More so than you would under normal circumstances. And and this is one thing. They're giving everybody an extra team. Basically. They're right? giving everybody a six-person team. Yes. This year. It's think about a, it this way. It's called cash cab. It is. It's called the cash cab. So when you think about think about it this way. If a player tests positive for COVID or, you know, comes in close contact with, you know, with someone who tests positive for COVID and has to be out of the lineup for, let's just say, five days to go undergo all of the testing in five days, the predators could play four games. Yeah. They could play three games. That's not an insignificant amount in a 56 game season. Right. So there's not, there's little wiggle room, you know, in terms of the depth of your organization, you're going to need as many healthy bodies as you can. So this was about options to me. It, it is. For David it Paul. was about, it is about options. And you, and you look at the types of players that they've acquired during the offseason forward-wise, pretty much all of them can play both positions. Granlund has experience playing center, but he's better at wing, is mostly a wing. Howla can play both positions. Cunning Cous- can play both Cousins. positions. Cousins can play yeah. both positions. You already have Sissons who can play both positions. Yarn Croak, yeah. you know, so... Duchesne, Right, even though Duchesne would prefer not to play wing. Um, but that's the point. You're going to need that flexibility. So... Yep. 
with with them being one year deals, there's no risk involved. It, it, it also there's one other big factor and we'll get to this when we start looking at the projected lineups but it also relieves pressure from some of the younger players to, to to have to produce and again that just is another way of saying we need flexibility you need bodies you need options and it feels like that's what David Poyle has done is he's brought in he's brought in a lot of options for John Hines to work with some of them may work out some of them may not but at least there are def- there's there's a plethora of choices now. And which brings us to Eric Howla, of course. Again, I think the highlight that everyone's going to focus on is 29 goals for Vegas the year that they went to the Cup. 12 power play goals that year. He's shown flashes of the ability to score. He's also 29 years old and has had like one great season. So I, I don't know. what If you want to introduce Eric Howla to, to the audience here, to the gold standard audience, feel free. This is a guy who, like Granlin, started his career in Minnesota. Like Cunnan started his career in Minnesota. Four years for the Wild, then a season and some change for Vegas was bounced between Carolina and Florida last year. So what does he bring to the table? What type of player did the Predators get in Eric Howla for a one-year, $1.75 million contract? Yeah, as you mentioned, in the 2017-18 season with Vegas, their first season, he had 29 goals, 55 points, both of which are career highs. The following season, he, he suffered a major knee injury that required surgery. Uh, last season, which I believe he split between Carolina and Florida, um, I believe he aggravated that injury. So over the past two seasons, he's played a combined 63 games, which is not great. No. But Although if you watch the video of the injury. It's also not great. Yeah, nasty. Um, but there are no lingering concerns uh, regarding the health of his knee. Of course, the Predators probably wouldn't have signed him if they were concerned about the health of his knee. Um, if he can get back to that form, that that would be a great piece of business by the Predators to have a player like that for under $2 million for a season. Um, but, you know, he, he is another one of those versatile, all-situations players. Can play on the penalty kill, can play power yeah. play, you know, can play on the wing, can play center. I think center is probably the better position for him, um, and we'll get into that. Um, apparently he and Grandland are best buds. Both, I think both fins. We've got both plenty fin- of fins on the there team. There are a lot of fins on the team. Um, so that helps as well. Um, even though they don't have a lot of history playing together, uh, you know, they were both in Minnesota at one point in their careers. Also would have come up on the same circuits in Finland. Yes. So right? they, on a lot of those so, junior teams. Yeah, probably. I can't say I know the, in, the, same the age, inner workings basically. of the, the Finnish hockey pipeline. Um, but you know, why, I, why not, Adam? I, why not? <laughs> I have no idea. I've had a lot of time on my hands these last well, nine he, months. Well, he turns 30 in March, and Granlin turns 29 in February. So they're, they're basically, they basically were the same. One year apart coming up playing hockey in Finland, I'm assuming you run into each other. Probably. So, hence the friendship. Yes. All right. So anything else you want to add about him in particular, other than, again, it's a versatile weapon that can play a lot of places that's cheap on a one-year deal that gives you a veteran presence that takes pressure off the younger players, <laughs> which that's, is that, which is basically that, all of the signings. That, that, that covers it. So let's get into the roster and project the lineup. We've talked about this. There's really only one decision on the top line, and that is to keep it together, which we know is very, very solid with Johansson, Forsberg, and Arvidsson, or to potentially break it up to spread the wealth down to the second line with Matt Duchesne. Does that proposition change now that you've brought Granlin back? Because Luke Cunnan could slide into that other wing as well as Ellie Tolvanen if he is ready to go. I mean, 
we'll get to Tomasino in a second, sort of in another conversation, but the, the pressure is off Tolvanen now with all these other extra pieces. You know, Granlund, Duchesne, Cunnan, is that your projected second line, or do you think there's a chance that they break up the top line? So I think it's fairly safe to assume, and we know what assuming does, but I think it's fairly safe to assume that five of the top five of the players in the top six are Forsberg, D- Johansson, Arvidsson, Granlund, and Duchesne. I think that's fairly safe to assume. Yeah. Um, but if I'm wrong, I said fairly safe and assume. So Granlund I- does not have the skill set to me to play a grittier game on the third or fourth line. I think he could. He, he can, but for $4 million with his skill, yeah. he's better than anything and, else. And Granlund and Duchesne spent a significant amount of time together last season at even strength. So I would assume that they would be back together. So whichever wing Granlund does not play on, on the second line is the spot that's up for grabs. Now, you know, Ellie Tolvanen will be given a shot to take that position. And personally, you just spoke about Granlund not playing in the bottom six. Ellie Tolvanen is definitely not a bottom <laughs> six player. I, Ellie Tolvanen needs to be in it in the top six, but you can't necessarily shoehorn him in there either. We talked about the the perils of a 56-game season. One of them is, if Ellie Tolvanen is not ready, you can't just hope that he figures it out. It's not like a normal season where he can go through October, maybe part of November, right. and figure it out, and then by December he's good to go. No, you don't have time for that. If Ellie Tolvanen gets, let's just say he's on the second line with Duchesne, and he struggles after five or six games. You can't just keep hoping he's going to figure it out. You got to. You need to move on to somebody else. I like the idea of Luke Cunning on the second line. Luke Cunning, to me, in some form, is a poor man's Craig Smith in the sense that he likes to shoot the puck a lot. Um, you know, Craig Smith... <laughs> just shoot it from the right places. Yeah, Craig Smith, you know... We, We've talked about, you know, his accuracy, um, but he does shoot the puck a lot. You know, Craig Smith, one of the, you know, in terms of shot volume, yeah. you know, in ter- you know, one of the, you know, most, what's the word I'm looking for? Pro- proficient? Proficient shooters, yes. In the Not league. efficient, but proficient. Yes, proficient. Um, Cunning is similar. He likes to shoot the puck. He like he knows how to get to the the quote unquote hard areas and shoot the puck, so I, I think I think that would complement someone like Duchesne well and Granlund and Granlund. Tolvanen is Tolvanen is he, more, he's a, he's on the break sniper guy. Tolvanen right? is the equivalent of a spot up shooter in the NBA. Yeah, that makes sense. He is he is the he is better at. He's you know, JJ Redick. Yes. Well, I, I have a very soft. I have a very <laughs> warm was, place in my heart for JJ. I was going to go course. Duke for you, buddy. Yes. So yes, he he is the kind of guy where you know he's got he has an elite shot. He has an elite one timer. He's still learning to create offense for himself, but he's the kind of guy to, to to use the basketball analogy who stands in the corner, lets the guard find him for the wide open three, and knocks it down. And knocks it down. Yeah. Cunning. I think is better at get creating his own offense. More Draymond Green. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps. From just, JJ Reddick. We're just Draymond throwing guys Green. out there at this yes. point. <laughs> no one's listening to talk about basketball. Right, right. But I think Tolvanen Tolvan you need Tolvanen needs more help to create offense than I think Cunnin does. And I think Cunnin okay. I think Cunnin 
would do well on a line with Matthew Shane. Which, uh, again, Granlund, a, a better passer than he is a true scorer. So um, those two guys with experience creating offense, have a guy standing in front of the net ready to, ready to pounce. That's kind of what that line looks like it needs. Now, that brings us to the third line, which was, by all accounts last year, the most productive – I don't know what phrase I'm supposed to use here from a metric standpoint – the most efficient and productive line in the entire NHL last year for the National Predators. So that's the bar that Nick Bonino, Craig Smith, and Rocco Grimaldi set for this particular line. What's interesting, Adam, is that I could make a case for five different guys to center the third line, at least. Okay. So so g- give me the order with which you would prioritize the pivot on the third line. Because you could argue Colton Sissons, you could argue Nick Cousins, you could argue uh, Eric Howla, you could argue, I mean, Yarncrook could do it. We just rattled all these names off. Who, who give me the the depth chart in your mind, starting with the center on the third line? To me, I think the best option for third line center is Howell. That that's my opinion. I think that's the position he was playing in Florida um, for the short time he was there. Uh, I'm not sure of how he was used in Carolina, uh, but I I think Howla would be my number one. Who would who would be number two? See, from there, it's just sort of like. It's all kind of the same, you know, like cousins and 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 Sissons and Yarn. Like, I it wouldn't be Yarn Croak because I feel like Yarn Croak's played a lot more wing over the years than he's played center, and Sissons has bounced between the two. I might go Howla one, Cousins two, Sissons three. Okay, that's that. That's what I might. Do. I might. I might have Sissons at two, but I I would think I would have the same rough order as you. So let's pencil in Eric Howla as the third line center. Let's stay down the middle. And is it, there's just nobody else that's really qualified for the job other than Brad Richardson to be the fourth centerman on the team. That's why they signed him. I mean, that's, that's his job. He's going, he's the prototypical fourth line center. He's 35 years old. He kills penalties. He blocks shots. He's not going to get a ton of ice time. He sets the tone in the dressing room, all of that stuff. So, so let's go, let's stick with your ice time then. Right. Cause that line, that means that line's not going to get a ton of ice time. My priority then is who do you think deserves the most ice time to play on the third line? And it's hard for me to look at this group and not go because you, you just said Tolvin is not an option. There are still some younger options here we have not yet got to, which we will get to in a second, which is Trennan and Pitlick and, you know, Tomasino and all these other guys. But you've said Tolvin doesn't belong there. Is it not just Yarncroke and Sissons that makes the most sense to play on the third line then at that point? Or, or am I off on that? Because I, I, want, I don't want Sissons getting fourth-line minutes. I'd like him to be getting third-line minutes. Well, if Tolvanen is playing with Duchesne, I think Cunnan has to be on the third line. I agree. So if it's Cunnan and Howla, then the, it could be – you could put Sissons on the wing – on that line, it could be Sissons, Howla, Cunnan, Cunnan, Howla, Sissons, however you want to order it. That's not a bad third line. Um, and then you could have a a fourth line with, you know, Rocco Grimaldi and Brad Richardson and Callie Yonkroak, which is fine. Um, but if you're lo- but like, but if you're not going to get Grimaldi, Benino, Smith production out of Grimaldi, Richardson, and Yonkroak, no, of course not. If you want to replicate the Grimaldi, Benino, Smith line. I think it would need to be something like Grimaldi, Howla, Cunnan, if Tolvanen is on the second line. What if Tolvanen is not ready? Then you would bump up, I would bump up Cunnan 
and then, then then that third line would be. I mean, the, another player that we haven't mentioned is Yakov Trenin. I mean, Trenin. I, like, is, I love his game. Trenin is another player who could fit that. You know, who could fit that mold. You know, Trenin is a scorer as well. Um, but Cousins doesn't have a spot yet either. We haven't <laughs> we haven't landed him yet. No. But let's put Cunning on the second line. Okay. So if we're and in, let's take Tolvanen out of the equation. Let's for say now. Tolvanen's in the cash cap. In the cash cap. So Tolvanen's in the cash Ray, cap. Ray Ray wants to be. Yes. Tolvanen's in the cash cap. Um, Is Yarn Crook on the fourth line with Richardson? No matter what. Yeah. I'm kind of like. Okay. You like, you've said you've kind of reached a point with Yarn. Yeah. This is his seventh full season with the Predators. Can you he's believe so- that? No, but he's a solid player. He's, he's a nothing, solid player. He's nothing player. special, but he's a solid He'll player. He'll get you 30 points in an 82-game season. That's pretty good for he's, the fourth line. He's fine, but he was, he's not always playing fourth line. Right? I know, but 30 points? Yes. He, 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 so 30 points for the Preds is like 50 for everybody else. Right? <laughs> that, that, that is true. So, he, so well, Sissons, Howla, Grimaldi on the third line? This is what they did. They brought in all these pieces yes. to have all these options. I w- yeah, Grimaldi, yeah, Grimaldi, Howlis, because Grimaldi, I, you know, played left wing on that line. If they want to keep him there, Grimaldi, Howlis, Sissons, I think could work, or it could be, you know, I th- it could be Trenin, Howla, Grimaldi. Like I think the pool that should be in the third line conversation, it you know, assuming Cunning is in the top in the top six, right, is Rocco Grimaldi. Eric Howla, Colton Sissons, and Yakov Trenin. I think three of those four should okay. make up the third line. I'm good with that. Then and then the fourth line, you could have Nick Cousins, Brad Richardson, and whichever of those four doesn't make the third line. And and then Yarn Croak and Tolvanen are on the in the cash cap together. Well, Yarn Croak could be. In, uh, God, you see what I'm saying? It. You see what I'm saying? It's hard. You see what I'm saying? I, what's interesting I mean, is Trennan and Grimaldi. If you think about their games right. and being on the same line, well, you know, they have some similarities, but they obviously have very big differences. As one's as, fake and one's not. Right, as far as size goes. T-H-I-C-C, as the kids say. <laughs> um, it, it it feels like Cousins and Richardson are penciled in on the fourth line at this point. So it does feel like you're kind of down to, all right, Grimaldi, Sissons, Yarncroke, Cunning. Trennan for like three or for like three spots and it does give them a ton of I mean this was the point it felt like this was the point is to get to where we have all different types of options and we'll see who works out now because again look what we just did we just took Tolvin and out of the conversation yes and what all these pieces have done is allow for them to all right Tolvin and anything you give us is now considered sort of house money now do you disagree with that or do you think they're expecting him to be the winger alongside Granlin and Duchesne. Because otherwise he's on he's on the cash cab. Yeah, and that would not be great if he was in the cash That's cab. not where he wants to be. I mean, you could win some money in the cash cab, and he'll make some money in the cash cab, but you're not playing. He'll be one of the higher-paid cash cabbers. Mm. Now, this does not <sighs> include... <laughs> this does not include Rem Pitlick... It does not cash inc- cap. It does not include Philip Tomasino, who is cash cap. torching the world juniors right now yes. for the best junior team in the world, which we'll get to in a second. Also throw Connor Ingram into the cash cab. Ingram's a hundred percent cash cabber, but he's like he's there because he deserves to be there. Well, they also every team needs to carry at least three goalies, so he has to be there. Right. And, and what I mean by that is a positive, not a negative. I mean that yes. as in like they've got a third goaltender who's as good as anybody's third goaltender. Oh, for in sure. In theory. Uh, obviously, there'll be a def- there'll be a defenseman, either Carrier or Davies, probably in the 
cash cab as well. Um, we're just going to call it the cash cab from now on the rest yes. of the season. So again, the point is there are a ton of options here. G- give me your who, like, I don't know, I guess final predictions before going into camp. Like who we've got the top five. We, we have a, we, we assume that Sissons, Howla, Grimaldi, Richardson's Richardson cousins and yarn are on there as well. That leaves like one spot. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, so we, we haven't mentioned Tolvanen. I mean, what we have, we've talked about Tolvanen, but in that, in that listing, right. No Tolvanen. We haven't mentioned Tomasino. We haven't mentioned Trennan. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Do you, so do you like where this team is depth wise today than where it was at this time last year? Well, that all depends on the quality of the depth you think you have. I mean, do you think that do you think that Howla and Cousins and Richardson and Cunnan are better than Smith and Benino and Watson and Blackwell? No. Yeah. Well, then there's your answer. But there's other business factors to consider. Yes. There's cost, there's age, there's contracts expiring, there's all that stuff. Yes. You know, like, you know, as a, as an NBA fan, like you, I'd love to have like the best five players in the world on the same team, but it's just, at some point you can't, you can't do that. The super team idea has not infiltrated the NHL yet. Unfortunately, there's a lot of moving pieces. I guess the point is on a short season, it's good to have a lot of options. It also means expect to see a lot of different line combinations early in the year, right? Yes. A lot of John Hines working through some stuff. Power up that blender, baby. <laughs> I nothing better than talking line combos. <laughs> I, uh, I I enjoy. Gag I actually, me with a spoon. But here's the thing: like I, like Austin Watson, and you could just you just knew where these guys were going to be last year, and some of them good, some of them bad, right? Some of them achieving it at the right level, some of them not. I, I am at least excited about something different, and maybe I'm wrong for for being like that, but I am interested. I am intrigued. I'm excited about seeing a bunch of new faces trying it a different way in a bunch of different places with some of the same pieces that I do appreciate like Grimaldi and like Sissons. So to me, that is where if I'm a Predators fan, I am trying to find optimism. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be a different team. They're going to be built a different way. They're going to play a different way in the sense that they're going to be grittier as we've talked about ad nauseum over the past few months. And like I said, their first on ice day of training camp is Monday this coming Monday, January 4th. The first day of the NHL season, the opening night of the season, is the 13th. Usually, NHL teams have to um, submit their opening night rosters the night before the first game, the first night of the season, which is that would be January 12th. That leaves the Predators eight days from the first day they're on the ice to determine their opening night roster with no preseason games. Now, is the number of times they can practice and all that stuff changed at all? Is it limited or is it the same as I, it normally I think it's is? the same. I mean, I think so they'll, they'll practice every day, yeah, basically. Yeah, you know, with a day off sprinkled in okay. there at some point. Maybe a scrimmage. Yeah, they will have 11 days. They, they Their first game is Thursday, January 14th against Columbus, and they their camp starts, as you said, on Monday. Um, all right, Philip Tomasino. And I, listen, I'm not going to lie. I have not watched a lot of the World Juniors. I know there's highlights flying around everywhere. Um, I have not watched a lot of this. I don't know how much of a scout you are, Adam, on the international junior circuit. Uh, zero. But Canada's pretty good at hockey. They're quite good. And they put Phil- up a couple of TDs the other day. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they scored 16 against <laughs> the Germans. And Tomasino, Philip Tomasino, high draft pick for the National Predators, is now performing at a 
Tolvanen KHL like level for the Canadian junior team. Is that fair? Like we got super excited about Tolvanen because yes. he was torching the KHL at such a young age, doing things that nobody his age had ever done in the KHL. Now you've got Tomasino in the juniors for the best country in the world at hockey, lighting people up. How much of those things do you value when you try to evaluate players? <sighs> That's tough because I'm not a junior scouting expert. Um, but Philip Tomasino had a great season in the Ontario League last season. He had 100 points, um, fourth leading scorer in that league. Um, now he, what's interesting is he was actually the 13th forward for Canada. Then their captain, Kirby Dock, who plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, got injured, opening a spot for Tomasino, and now he has three goals and five points through two games. Uh, so he's definitely taking advantage of an opportunity. It's going to be hard for him, I think, to make the opening night roster because he's probably going to miss all of training camp. Now, that doesn't mean that management and coaches aren't watching him, but I think he is a he is a it's a better bet that he starts the season on the taxi squad and then maybe works his way onto the main roster, but I don't think he's going to be on the 23 man active roster to start. The is season. it is it better for his development and Tolvin to some degree as well, who's obviously got a lot more AHL experience? To be on the taxi squad or to be in the AHL? Well, Tomasino can't be in the AHL. Oh, that's right. Because of the OHL, NHL, CHL, NHL agreement, which is silly. Qu question still stands. Right. Are you, are you going to develop in on the taxi? Like Tolvanen, are you going to develop on the taxi squad? Can you develop your game on in that situation? I don't... I'd like to think if you are a professional who busts his ass, that the answer is yes. Yes. But... It never hurts to be around professional NHL players more often, even if you're only practicing. It never hurts to be around them, not just on the ice and practice, but watching film, ex working out with them, picking their brains. Right. I, I you know, I think. Tol I mean, look, I, I'm not going to say that Tolvanen, you know, has outgrown the AHL because I don't think he has. But you know, I feel like we're at that. We're definitely at put up or shut up time with Ellie Tolvanen. Um, this isn't to say that if he doesn't perform well this season that we're going to start using the dreaded B word to describe uh, Ellie Tolvanen. And for those at home, B means bust. But Also, I, see Kevin Fiala. Yes. I, it takes time. But I, I think, especially considering what the AHL might look like this year, if a lot of the top AHL players are on taxi squads and not in the AHL, I think it's better for him to be around the main, right. by, by the main team. That's a good point. Like, how much worse of competition would it you be know, if, it, if the best six players? It was are like off during the, the lockout, during the most recent lockout, when when AHL eligible players who are really NHL players were playing in the AHL. Like, it wasn't fair. Like, yeah, you know, the AHL will still be high, will still be a talented league this season if it gets off the ground as they expect to sometime in February. But if, as you said, the top five or six players on every team are on the taxi squad slash cash cab, then, <laughs> um, you know, maybe the level of competition may not be as high. As and and there's really no, as we could, we'll get to the schedule here in a second, but like there's really no discussion about the top six defensemen, right? No. Like Yossi Ellis, Ekholm, Fabro, Benning, Borvietsky. Like, that's it. And, and then you've got a couple guys that might – bounce back and forth due to injuries off the cash cab. Your Tenorties, your Carriers, et cetera. Yep. Jeremy Davies might be on Davies, the taxi squad as well. Yes. But, like, it's it's really interesting to not even talk about that <laughs> at all. Like, there's no reason to talk about it. They went out and got two veterans at not a cheap price, by the way. 
and they're going to play on the third line, and, and they could move those guys around, right? I mean, in theory, you could move Fabro around a little bit if you want to, but it seems unlikely. All right, you want to dive into the schedule, or do you have any t- more cash cap predictions? Uh, where Where is – okay, final – I'm going to hold you to this the rest of your life. Okay. Where great. is Ellie Tolvanen at the start of the season, January 14th? Is he in the starting lineup, or is he on the taxi squad? I'm going to say that he is in the opening night lineup, but he will have a short leash. I tend to agree with that. And that would also probably put then Tomasino, Trennan, Pitlick, Ingram, Davies. And somebody else. And one other player on the taxi squad. Yes, on the cash cap. Because then you've got Cunning down on the third line in theory, which gives you a lot of flexibility on the third and fourth lines. All right. Correct. Okay, schedule. Uh, season opens, Bridgeton Arena, four straight games. Columbus, Columbus, Carolina, Carolina. Thursday, January 14th. That is, like, very soon. Um, <laughs> a couple of observations I want to throw out at you, and I just, while looking at the schedule, thought about this. First of all, I think the NHL did a good job of not, if you're a Predators fan, you did not get a single three-game stretch with anybody. So it's two games, two games, two games, two games, two games, the entire season for the Nashville Predators. They did not get – they got Carolina, Dallas, and Tampa. So six of their first ten games will come against the three teams picked ahead of them in the division. So not an easy start with, you know, a game games with Chicago in there. So that was an observation. The other one was the final – who are the two worst teams in the division? Chicago and Detroit, right? Chicago got worse today or this week with the news of Doc and now Jonathan Taves being out indefinitely. So Chicago and Detroit are clearly the the teams you want to play the most and most often. Here's the thing. The final eight games of the season, when you are battling for a playoff spot, you'll be playing Florida, Dallas, Columbus, and Carolina twice each. You will not get Detroit or Chicago in any of the final eight games. And in fact, the teams you are probably battling for playoff spots, Florida, Dallas, and Columbus, you will play. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That in the final eight games, you're not going to get any easy ones and you're playing against all teams that could be vying with you for playoff spots. Well, when you think about when you like when you look at the NFL schedule for this coming week for week 17 and you look at all of the teams that are fighting for the playoffs. I think the Browns are playing the Steelers and the Steelers announced today uh what's today? I don't even know what today is. Tuesday, Tuesday. that Mason Rudolph is starting instead of Ben Roethlisberger because they clinched the division right so of course you want to play a team with a backup quarterback when you're trying to get into the playoffs so you would much rather you think Carolina the final two games might just pack it in because they're already in NHL teams don't really pack it in though except for that one time they don't don't pack it in well there was that one time a couple of seasons ago when the Blue Jackets were here in like game 81 and John Tortorella benched like all of his really good players because they were in the playoffs and maybe a game. Yeah, maybe a game, but it's not. But it's not like if the Carolina Hurricanes clinch the playoff spot in Game Thirty Five, that for the next twenty games right. they're just putting you, out the scrubs. But you see my point, though, right? Like if Chicago and Detroit are clearly the worst two teams now. Now what it does mean is that there's some big chunks of time in the middle of the season where the Predators can stack some wins. So from March twenty third to April twenty third, so over that month. You will play Detroit four times and Chicago six times. That's 10 games that you can stack some wins. But then you finish with a tough stretch. So I, I can see both sides of it. I can see finishing with easy teams. I can see finishing with tough teams. I, I think it's all about how well you're playing. So I don't know what you. I don't know how deep you've delved into the schedule and how much you want to dive into this. But 
I think finishing with Florida, Dallas, Columbus, and Carolina for eight games is not an easy finish for the Predators. No, it's not. And we have no idea what those teams are going to, going to look like that late in the season. Um, look, we, we as I mentioned today, the Blackhawks announced that Jonathan Taves is out indefinitely with some sort of medical issue. They're not saying what it is, but things like that can happen over the course of the sure. season. A player can get sick. A player can get hurt. You know, we, we, we talk about, we talked about this on our most recent episode about, you know, thinking that, you know, Tampa and Carolina are probably the class of the division, you know, that might change, you know, yeah, I guess, I mean, so, sure. I'm so just... we think Carolina is going to be good, but they could be bad and it could be out of their control. But, you know, based on what we think is going to happen, right. that is a tough way to end it. Yeah. And they got Tampa four times, Dallas twice, Carolina twice, all in the, you know, on the road against Florida, on the road against Dallas, all within the first 14 games or so. So the, the, to me, my big takeaway from the schedule is based on Vegas odds and projections, like you said, the beginning of the season's tricky and the end of the season's tricky. The middle of the season is where they're going to make some ground. That's what it feels like if you're going to broadly generalize the schedule that was released. If you have, you know, again, we're going off of all the information we have today, right? So that, that's my takeaway. I don't know. Adam Bingham I'm very of the athletic. I'm, I'm very excited about just the rivalries that could develop um, out of this schedule. I like the idea of a rivalry developing with Carolina, as we discussed. The, uh, the reintroduction of the Detroit rivalry, even though this is not the same Detroit team that used to come in here all the time. They're not the powerhouse Red Wings anymore. They're the whatever the opposite of a powerhouse is, the out-of-powerhouse. Um <laughs> So well done. I think the, the, I don't know the powerless house. It's either an outhouse or a powerless yeah, house. Yeah, the outhouse. Uh, an, um, a powerless outhouse. How about yes, that? A shack. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, a shanty, I believe. A is shanty. What, is what yes. They do in, the shanty in, in Red the UP, Wings. When they go up to the UP to go ice fishing. The shanty Red Wings. Um, but it's you know old. You know people still hate the Red Wings around oh, here. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna enjoy seeing those games again. Doesn't matter how good or bad that team is. Um, yeah, I like it. Um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to actually watch live hockey again, <laughs> uh, which I have not done since March. So looking forward to that as well. Well, it should be a ton of fun. Um, all right. Do you have, you have one, um, media complaint you'd like yes, to make I would before, like we, to voice before me- we, before we wrap up this I would bad like boy? to voice a media complaint, which has nothing to do with Nashville, but I would like to voice a media complaint. And this came to my attention on Twitter earlier today from Rick Carl of WVTM13 in Birmingham, Alabama. So, Rick, I I suppose, as most sports people in Alabama do, covers the Alabama Crimson Tide football team. Hmm. So he tweeted something today that said this, at Alabama FTBL coach hashtag Nick Saban held his at Rose Bowl game newser today, and a reporter addressed the coach as, Hi, Saban. His name is Coach Saban, not Nick, not Saban. Here's mm. why. Which links to this Facebook thing that I'm not going to even bother reading to you because it's so ridiculous. No, but, no, don't do it. But basically, this gentleman, this sports this sports anchor, is saying that we should refer to Nick Saban as Coach Saban. Except if you're in a, a special class of person. He is coach to you. No, he's not. If he's not your coach, he's not Coach Saban. And I, I tweeted about this, that outside of talk about questions, hashtag talk about, lamestream media plug, 
Which, by the way, we're giving away a hundred dollar gift card. Yes. Go listen to Lamestream Sports. Yes. Check it out. We're Do listen to Lamestream gift- Sports and get a hundred dollar gift card yes. by talking about talk about questions. Send us some talk about talk about. Yes. What you'll never hear me say talk about questions. I can't wait till you do it. No. I can't wait till you say, Coach John, uh, talk about your no, special team, no, specialty no. teams. No, that, that's not <laughs> happening. First of all, talk about questions are not questions. They're statements. I agree. They're orders. But outside, H- the competition. Uh, outside of talk about, calling a coach coach is my second biggest sports writing, sports anchoring pet peeve. So I, I do it. Unfortunately, I do it a lot. Now, some of that is because I work with coaches and – there is a, a, a familiarity when you use the phrase coach with someone you know. So all the college football coaches I've worked with over the years, like everybody called them coach, their buddies, like their friends off the air would call them coach. So I kind of like would I would sort of fall into that. And so I've done I've definitely guilty of that. Would you prefer me call somebody coach during an interview or call the top line by its nickname, which is worse? Oh, my God. That's. That's bad. That's hard. I think I would rather you call the top line by its nickname than call a coach coach. Really? I don't know. That, it depends just, on. It, but it is like. It, but, okay. If you ask me again in an hour, I might have a different answer. <laughs> Do you call doctors doc ever, or like doc? Thank you, doctor. Like when a doctor leaves the room, no. you say thank you, doctor, or no. do you say thank you, Stephen? You don't say his first name. I you never say I, doctor. I but like doctor. So I don't refer to. I don't say thank you, doctor. I just say thank you. But I'm I'm just saying, in as far as titles go, I don't know. I think it it, it really depends. Like this is the example that I used when I first brought this to your attention earlier. So my parents live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. They live in a condo building on the Chesapeake Bay. Very nice. Ooh. One of their neighbors, not even is, a humble brag. One of their neighbors is Lefty Drizel. Now it's definitely a brag. Yes, is Lefty Drizel uh, famously the head men's basketball coach for the University of Maryland, among other places. And Lef- shoe, shoe guy. Lefty Drizel is 89 years old. And when I've interacted with Lefty Drizel, I've called him coach because I feel like there's a certain reverence to talking to an 89-year-old retired man who has a big, who has a long history in a certain sport. I, I think that is... I, Again, that's, a, that's like a... Um... It's not a nickname, but what do you call it when you have like a familiarity? It's like a it's like a pet name. I don't know, not pet name. Yeah, that's not the. Right that's word. like what you do with your <laughs> wife. Yeah, um, but I I don't know. Like I would never. There's a, there's a informal recognition of a relationship. Yes, and to me, the coaches I have worked with who I call coach, that's where that comes from. I how about this? I I am not going to stop calling someone I know who's a coach coach if that's what he likes to be called i will effort to not do it in interviews anymore i because I, I've, I've stopped about the last year i started going i started saying peter i said mike to mike vrabel i would say dean to dean pease yeah like i when i was doing interviews on my old show i i kind of started to to break that thing but it's so comforting and it it gives them a sense of relaxation in a radio interview to say coach in a press conference i would never say I don't think I would say, "Hey, coach." Not in a press conference. Uh, that that would never. Now, frankly, I don't think I would say their name in a press conference. I would just say, "Ask the question." Yeah, I think you would just ask the question, right? Sometimes, like I, I find that I, I will say, a, you know, in a press conference setting, of course, under you know pre-corona times, you know, you're you're sort of battling with other people to get questions asked. So I will say the coach's name to like get his attention. Like to be like Peter, Peter. Well, not Peter. I won't be like that, but I'll be like Peter, John, 
blank. You right. know, it's like so that he's looking at me. David. David, etc. You, David. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a lot. Like, you know what we need to do is we need to start selling some you, David, shirts around town. But have you have you seen the movie The 40-Year-Old Virgin? Yes, I'm sure of you have. Of course. Classic film, classic comedy yes. starring Steve Carell, yeah. Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, etc. And I was rem- – anytime I hear the coach thing, and we always talk about me cursing on this show, whenever I think about that coach thing, I think about the, the part of the movie where Steve Carell, it's near the beginning, and he's still having his problems with women. And Romany e. Malco, who, you know, the actor who plays one of the, the, the co-workers at the, <laughs> at the entertainment, you know, electronic yeah, yeah. store, says, you're putting the pussy on the pedestal. Whoa, that yes. is a cuss word. So that's how I, like, that's what I feel like when I feel when you're putting you, the coach on a pedestal. When you put the coach on the pedestal. I don't, I don't know if, I, I'm a little uncomfortable by what you just said. Sorry. You can, you can beep no, that I'm out in post, in post no if you want. No way. But, but the point is, like, when you when you refer to a coach as coach and you cover them, it's giving them, it's giving them more reverence than they need. You're not to say that you know the the point of, in my opinion, you want to put them on as much of a level playing field as possible. That's just why I refer to coaches by their names. Who is Paul Rudd's boss in that? Uh, that would be the uh, the, the blonde who's um, on the host of the game Jane show Lynch, now. Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch plays. is spectacular yes. in that movie. It's, she it's, is so good. Jane Lynch is in that movie, and oh, then she's so um, funny. Catherine Keener uh, yeah. plays yeah. the love interest. You know, Catherine Keener was in Get Out. For she was the, an Elf, I think, too. Uh, I've never seen Elf. Really? Mm-mm. We wa- we watched it last night with the daughters for the first time. I've never seen Elf. I I thought it was always overrated. And then, because it's got like eighty-seven percent Rotten Tomatoes or something crazy like yeah. that, and I always thought like this is dumb. But I'm not but, a huge Will Ferrell. But I watched fan. it with the four-year-old, and she actually really enjoyed it. My wife laughed, and I laughed far more than I thought. So I enjoyed it. it I I needed to give it a second crack. It is a good, so. but forty-year-old virgin, very Leslie. Not Man, watching that with the Le- four-year-old. Leslie Mann has a cameo. Jonah Hill has a Elizabeth cameo. Banks is, is Elizabeth awesome. Banks is Elizabeth Banks has a cameo. So, it, it's so a very crazy. good. It's a very good yes, cast. We are now officially two middle-aged dudes talking about a movie I that's just 20 loved, years old. I just love... It's not 20 years old. I just love Judd Apatow movies. I do, too. You have, know? You seen the, have you seen the one that came out this year? Which one? With Pete Davidson in it? It's, oh, The King of Staten it's Island? It's 16 years old. I haven't seen... It's 16 years old? Mm, 2005. Get out of here. 2005. He had a great run. He had a great run between the 40-year-old virgin... Get out of here. Super bad, knocked up... Well, it started with Cable Guy. Cable Guy, Anchorman, Ugh. Talladega Nights, Super Bad, Pineapple Express, Pineapple Forgetting Express, Sarah Marshall, forgetting Get Sarah Into Marshall. the Greek, Bridesmaids. Yes. That's as strong a run as you're going to see. Yeah, from, Apatow from a had a great run. He definitely did. I have not seen The King of Staten Island. I want to see that one. I have not seen that either. Pete Davidson's so hot right now. Mm. Doing good stuff on Saturday Night Live. He's got that BDE, as the kids say. Is, is that like drip? I don't know. You don't want to. If you had a problem with what I said before, I don't okay. think you want me to spell it out. Oh. Okay, I can I can imagine. Okay. I've already done some acronym figuring out in my head. Yes. Cool. All right, anything else you'd like to add uh, now that we've taken this officially off the rails? I'm I think just we're done. happy that at I this time done. next week we'll be talking about training camp. We'll actually have watch training camp. Ooh. So that'll be fun. Can't wait. See you at the rink, boys. Uh, Adam Vingan. You can follow him on Twitter, at Adam Vingan. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic. Pay for good journalism. Make sure you're doing that as well for all of Adam's work. He's literally tweeting during the show. It's not annoying or anything at all. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.